Hey, is this thing on? Are we recording? Can I get a tech person? Oh, for the love of ed tech. Joining us today is James Freeman, and he is going to chat with us a little bit about his journey into education along with OETC 2024 and some AI and cybersecurity topics. So, hey, James. Good afternoon. How are you? (laughs) Good. How are you? Doing well. Good. Thank you for talking to us today. I'm going to start by just asking you to tell us what your journey was into education. So how did you end up in education? I grew up in an agricultural environment. So I started taking things apart when I was really young and putting them back together. And so that science interest was started there. My interest then evolved into ham radio, which was my technology piece that started this path. Uh, I was always interested in shortwave radio or CB radio back in the day because you could talk to people. And so then I went on a trip. Our family went to Florida for about three weeks. And so I was out of school for three weeks and the teacher sent us work. And it was more of a hands-on project experience of, of, you know, as you go through different states, collect all these leaves and, and find out what these trees are and, you know, find out all that information. And so I put all that together and it helped build my interest in science. So as I went to college, I had really one of those, I had an idea I wanted to teach, but it was kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? But I started into a chemistry and physics program at Mm -hmm. the University of Rio Grande. I know. Go you. And I, and I, so I've got my bachelor's degree in chemistry and physics, and, and I am not a math person, but then I during that time, I got my ham radio license. And so... Okay, I, what does that entail? That entails some electronics, learning electronics, okay. and, and you have to take a test for it. Back okay. in the day of, of my radio pieces of licensing, you had five different licenses that you could get. You started at the bottom and work your way up to the top one. The lowest one was called novice mm-hmm. and the highest one was called extra. So okay. now- That's cool. I didn't know that existed. Yeah. Um, well, the, the Dayton ham engine happened in Dayton for years until they've moved it recently to Xenia to, to the fairgrounds. So oh. that has happened for years and years and years. And okay. it's the big event in the world people from across the world come to the event so cool yeah it is it is and now you've got just three licenses that you have to take tests for but it just the the learning for electronics and radio waves and the rules and the frequencies that you can use progresses throughout those licenses so the you get more privileges as you go along so currently i've got my extra class license and i had to learn morse code as well do not use it very well or often Mm -hmm. it's one of those things i'd rather computerize and use but i've not uh, done that yet so very cool okay i did that track a little that's all right (laughs) so that's that's really how I, i i i got started with technology together with science. And so I ended up teaching and then started in Portsmouth 
Ohio and okay. um, spent five years in the classroom there. And we actually used some ham radio stuff. We, at the time, the space shuttles program was running. Oh, yeah. They, on some of the trips up, they would, on those flights, they would take ham radio equipment and have that mounted in the, the space shuttle. And we, my classroom wasn't able to talk to them, but we actually heard them from Portsmouth. They were coming across the Great Lakes and we heard a transmission. They were talking to somebody. It was kind of that cool thing. Yeah. And and that was at a point where you had to have a computer program. It wasn't web-based like it is now that you can track things across the sky. And so you actually had to, I had to go home with a floppy drive and download the the data to put into the program because we didn't have internet access at the time at school. So I'd have to use my dialing modem and load <laughs> the data, put it on the floppy drive uh, first thing in the morning so that I could take it to work and put it in the computer and then track the passes throughout the afternoon. So if anything even changed a little bit, it was off. off. So Yeah. So it's not like it is today in the things that we have. So, so yeah, that's how that's really cool. I uh, incorporated all those things in the classroom and making it a fun learning environment so that students could, could learn and be excited yeah. about science. That's awesome. So, I just was going to ask kind of how you decided to leave the classroom to move onto other endeavors. Like, was it your drive for technology and making a bigger impact? Or was it just kind of like you wanted to change some, you know, something different outside of the classroom? Or I, I was actually doing some of that as being science department chair for Portsmouth okay. City Schools. So what happened was we had a technology facilitator at the time leave the district abruptly and they were scrambling like, who's going to do this? Well, they asked me to step up to the plate because they knew I had done all this other stuff with ham radio and, you know, I had that, that little bit of background in electrical background as well. So I started took that role for as technology facilitator for a couple of years at Portsmouth City Schools. And that was back in the day of SchoolNet and wiring buildings. And some of those buildings were very old and had very thick walls because they were designed as bomb shelters <laughs> from, from the previous generation. So it was a lot of fun putting all that in. So we had server rooms that were next to sinks and custodian closets. It was just the only place that sure. we could put put things in place. So that all happened. And then I had an opportunity to become the tech coordinator at the Franklin County ESC. Okay. And so I spent some time there and I started, while I was in Portsmouth, I had started my master's in computers and educational technology. And so I finished that and then continued in the technology role for a while until I had started my PhD at Ohio State and then needed to go back into the classroom for a couple of years. So I went back in the classroom for three years and was able to finish my dissertation and gathering some data there for my dissertation and then continued as the director of technology in in Whitehall City Schools for a while. And we went through a building project. So building buildings was a fun, fun, interesting piece because you were able to bring all this new technology that was relevant and current at the time. So that was a fun, fun, a long, fun experience. It was very difficult, but oh, yeah. it's, a, it's just a lot of work. 
and then moving buildings and, and all the things that happen with that. So from there, I went to Trotwood Madison City Schools on the west side of Dayton and okay. I was driving from Columbus to Trotwood and back every day. So that was about three hours of time. So I finally decided that's let me look for something closer. So I ended yeah. up at Fairfield County ESC and then worked there as the director of operations. What was interesting about Trotwood was the fact that I had all that experience at Whitehall building the buildings and putting brand new stuff in, but Trotwood was done with their projects, but it was like at the 10 year mark. And so things started needing replaced. And so we oh. went through a refresh cycle. So that mm -hmm. was very helpful, helpful to be able to do that, knowing what I had, had learned and right. gone through at, at Whitehall. So so it's been a, it's been a quite a journey. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. There are times I I miss being in the classroom and working with mm -hmm. kids. We had our the department had our booth at the state fair, and it was surrounding wow. aviation. So it was fun working with kids building paper airplanes and 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 seeing them smile. It's just those things that they had fun doing when they're like little kids. We had instructions. Unfortunately. It was easy for them to, to fold, but you just had to help them kind of put a plan together to create an airplane for them. That's cool. And it's nice to be able to do little projects that, like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And that's one of my other hobbies, too, is um, I've got my pilot's license. So, and that is a result of living down the street from the county airport when I was a kid. You know, just seeing all those, you know, there's a reason that planes fly. It's Bernoulli's principle. And so, yeah, just all that science stuff put together. So that's really cool. Is it so many hours? It is. It, it is a number of hours to, okay. to be able to get that. And then you, you take a, a written test and then you fly your number of hours that you need to become proficient. And then you have to have a, a flight check with FAA of person okay. flying with you. And so that they then offer you, you get your certificate from them at that point so that you're going through a check ride basically. Okay. Interesting. So, nice. yeah. Look at you. Just go anywhere you want. Pretty much. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> that would be really cool. I always am like, I wish I had my pilot's license so I could fly from here to my sister's and it would take like an hour instead of like five. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, where I grew up in Northeast Ohio, it's it's almost a three hour drive, but it's an hour and 10, 15 minutes, depending on the wind, to get there mm -hmm. flying. So, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Teachers, you can now earn contact hours toward grad credit for listening to the podcast. Visit for the love of edtech.org for more information. Well, switching gears on the topic of cybersecurity. It's one of those topics that is important for everybody to understand. I also feel like when it comes to cybersecurity because I've we're seeing it more on the news too just like they're targeting schools and student data etc right it's important not to you know as everybody says and continues to say not click on any of any any link in an email or anything that's from somebody that you know even if if it 
looks weird, looks different, not to, to click on those, those links, or even if it looks suspicious, just, you know, reach out to that person that may have sent it to you. It's important to do that. But the main thing, passwords, you know, the, the recommendation now is a 15 character password. I know, but people can't remember the eight. I um, know. I'm like, I'm know, struggling with. The, 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 the nice thing is, well, uh, that's another conversation. But the, 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 what's nice is the, the Department of Education for the United States has establishing what governing government coordinating council that they announced this on Tuesday so that they can coordinate services between the federal and state levels. And if that happens, they feel that that can better coordinate services between school districts and state and local uh, governments and then from the federal level. So there's a, a bigger push now towards uh, cybersecurity. There's been a push, but it's I think it's a greater momentum that with the, the ISAC or security agency providing services and toolkits for school districts. CISA is the Center for Internet Security, but it's the Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center. Got it. And okay. they have that for elections as well, a, a, a section of that for the elections so that um, we have election security, um, and they focus on that uh, themselves. But the MSISAC uh, provides... Um, and CISA provides uh, free tools to schools so that they can uh, ramp up their uh, security um, within school districts. Okay. Uh, there's there's lots of tools that they have, and it's free for school districts to join the MSISAC for tech coordinators and, and gives them some, at least a starting point to, to secure their, their networks and their computers okay, within so districts. I'm- I'm curious, and there may be an answer or not an answer to this, for like small districts or little districts that maybe have like a teacher who's considered like their tech person, but also like teaches PE or science or whatever, Mm -hmm. how does, I mean, like, I don't know, I just honestly can't even imagine trying to weed your way through that world. Right, right. And it's very difficult. I mean, things have gotten so complex in terms of running a network within a school district. And if you're having servers on site, things need constantly updated. So having a part-time person is very difficult to keep all of that running and do their their main job. So there's, based on the, the, the announcement that happened on Tuesday from the White House, the, a number of companies are providing some free tools for school districts under certain sizes. And if you're under 2,500 students, there are other opportunities for school districts to have free things that they can use to combat cybersecurity issues. Okay. Yeah. And then the other thing is within our state, we've got our, our information technology centers or our ITCs. They're mm-hmm. a great resource that people can reach out to. They can't necessarily fix everything for you or provide a necessary service, but they can help get people moving in the right direction for what's needed to secure the networks and and devices and districts. On the topic of cybersecurity, where does AI fall in all of this hot topic in education? <laughs> so, so companies are starting to use some AI in their cybersecurity 
tools. I think we're going to see a whole new wave of, of detection or uh, for tools uh, for, you know, like spam. Those things will be created in a different manner with AI versus what rules have been put in place currently or been used for the last several years with those devices. It's all part of the, the digital citizenship piece. Yeah, that that needs to be taught. You know, kids are all too eager to just be clicking on things. But then again, I'm not sure how many kids really use email or versus chatting with, you know, using other Somebody. tools. Because we've, you know, if you think about it, email kind of antique like yeah. to these kids <laughs> in form of communications. Sad but true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't seem that old. No, <laughs> it doesn't, but. Ugh. But I guess, yeah, it is a little bit of a dinosaur. So, okay, with the technology, with cybersecurity and AI, et cetera, this may be switching tracks. I don't know if it's a little bit or a lot, but OETC 2024 is focusing well first of all what's the name or the is it a name or a theme the theme the theme theme of 2024 is syzygy syzygy yes yes. aligning the innovations of technology learning and technology yes because syzygy the word it's the alignment of three or more celestial bodies which could result which, in a an eclipse, which will be oh, April yeah. 8th of 2024 after the conference, which is in February. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we're playing those things I off like each it. other. Yeah. Very cool. See, I didn't make that connection. I just no. knew it was like a celestial word. Yep. That's and so that's cool. why it's that alignment. Okay. So what are we looking forward to for OETC 2024? So we are working with our working task force and others internally to get session proposals associated with the theme. And so on our website.ohio.gov, we have our four tracks listed. Session proposals are open until the 15th of September, but we're going to have our track of instruction. So anybody related to instruction, coaches, Teachers, curriculum directors, anybody related to that, the keywords for those sessions are listed there. IT as well as another track for district technology leaders. And then district leadership, we have a track focusing on them. So treasurers, superintendents, anybody in a leadership role in districts, and then library and media specialists and those roles within the district. So it covers pretty much... Everybody associated with instruction within a district. What are the dates? The dates are February 13th, 14th, and 15th of 2024. Okay. And do they have to come to all three days? They can come to one day, two days, three days, or any combination of the above. The drone experience is going to continue, especially with racing drones. We 
hope to have them back this year. The students create drones that they can then fly and race against each other. That, cool. that goes on on Wednesday. Then last year, we were able to have one of the Eastland Fairfield Career Center drone programs. Their instructor was there and actually answered questions about creating a drone program. They also did a session in combination with the Ohio High School Athletics Association last year to talk about drone rules for flying oh, at sporting cool. events because, you know, it's not allowed. So, but people try to do things illegally as well. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens. Yep. So they, he was there to help with that. And, and he's an, a certified flight instructor. So oh, nice. he, he has that skill set and was able to, you know, add a, a lot of value to the, the conference for the drones and f- flying inside the, the drone um, screen that we have, the drone net area. The high school kids from North Canton City Schools and their video program will be back again this year. And they're the ones with the big bus, right? They like are the, the ones media with the bus. bus. That was the awesome. media bus. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a great program and a great experience for them to learn, shoot video, edit, put all put everything together. Yeah, and if you haven't seen that, that is the coolest. It, it is impressive. <laughs> it is very impressive. It is very impressive. So. Yeah. The EdTechs will have their playgrounds again, and we'll have that content. We will have our sandboxes. We're looking for sandbox experiences. We'll have four sessions or some smaller sessions. We're still trying to get that planned out, but we will have the sandbox sessions. We'll have our keynotes, every one every day, and we're still putting things together, but we're, we're, we're farther ahead than we were last year when we had only a couple of months to get this planned, organized and, and put together. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah. It'll be a good time. It will be. <laughs> and it's in Columbus yeah. at the, at the greater, Con- greater Columbus convention center. Yep. Yeah. So also at the conference Wednesday will be the computer science summit. And the Computer Science oh, Teachers Association will be hosting their their teachers on Wednesday. They're welcome to come all three days for the conference, mm-hmm. but their summit's going to be held on Wednesday. And then Thursday, which is the 15th, is elementary school teacher day. So elementary teachers are going to be the focus for our ed techs and then the content surrounding the conference. Yeah, which will be cool. Yes, absolutely. And it'll be the day after Valentine's Day, so everybody will have had their parties. Yes, (laughs) they can come to the conference on the 15th. Yep, they can feel good about a sub, maybe. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. We're keeping the exhibit hall playground area open for the the elementary day, longer in the day. It usually closes at noon. The exhibit hall will close at noon, but the playground area will stay open so that that can be used for the elementary school teachers on Thursday. Oh, cool. Cool. All right. Well, here we go. We learned not to click on links for cybersecurity purposes. Absolutely. Ever- and, and even if you think you know the person and you correspond with them, if it looks suspicious. It probably is. It probably is. Yes. And if you're free in February... Please join us at yes. OETC 2024 and you can register for the conference 
or if you would like to present. When is registration open? Registration, we, we are hoping it opens September 1st-ish or so. We'll get that open. So that'll be right after school is full swing for the first nine weeks. And then again, the, the session proposals close September 15th at 11.59.59 p.m. Okay. <laughs> Precisely. Precisely. Yes. So if you're doing cool stuff in your classroom and you want to share it with teachers across the state, and it's just not teachers across the state. There are people that oh, yeah. come from all over because there was there was a college from Texas that sent professors last year from to the conference. So, and that's yeah. the first time we've had the conference since 2020 in person. And so th there are people that come from all over. All right. Well, thank you, James, so much. Thanks for listening to our For the Love of EdTech podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today and learned something you can use with your own students. You can find the show notes, resources, and more at www.fortheloveofedtech.org. For Love of EdTech is produced by SOIDA, the Southwestern Ohio Instructional Technology Association, in partnership with ThinkTV and CET, the local PBS stations in Dayton and Cincinnati. 